All right, well, we're just going to go ahead and get started. It's 9.33, and people are showing up. They're dropping kids off and stuff. Um, we're going to continue in our discussion on confession of sin. Super fun topic. Super important topic. It's not super fun, but very important. Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and pray and uh, get our hearts ready. Our most holy God, Lord, we thank you that we can call upon your name in times of stress, in times of struggle. When we sin, Lord, we can call upon your name. We can call upon the goodness of your nature, Lord. We thank you, God, that you have given us a way to be able to communicate with you, Lord. You have given us your word, to be able to see what you have to say to us, Lord. God, help us to be ever vigilant in the study of your word. Help us to know you more. Help us to be able to recognize sin in our lives, um, ultimately, Lord, so that we can be right with you, not by any of our actions or even by our confession of that sin, Lord, but by our faith and our trust in Jesus who takes away those sins for us, God. Lord, we thank you for the work that you've done on the cross and for the blessing that it is to be able to call upon your name. Thank you that you've chosen us as your people and that we can go out and tell people about your goodness. Lord, help us to focus on your name. Help us to focus on your goodness today as we go through this lesson and as we prepare our hearts for the sermon today. Help us and guide us, Lord, in your son's Precious name we pray. Amen. All right. So, confession of sin. The very first week, Mike talked about um, what it is, uh, the meanings of it. Anybody know those the two definitions for confession? There's a positive and a negative. To acknowledge our wrong, right? Our guilt before God and declare to acknowledge the truth or, yeah, confess the truth, declare our um, adherence to God and our faith to God, right? Which could almost be stated in the reverse and possibly better. You know, we acknowledge what the truth is and we acknowledge our failure to live up to it. Hmm. Well said, Rex, as usual. <laughs> uh, and we talked... Um, We've been talking about who we should confess um, our sins to. Uh, we said that we need to confess all of our sins to God, not just some of them. And why might that be? I should say that in more of a question. And why might that be? He's the one we're ultimately accountable to. He's the one we're ultimately accountable to. All of them are egregious. All of them are egregious. They're all against him. They're all against him. And he knows them all already. No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. He knows them all. Okay. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so we should confess all of our sins to God for all those reasons. Um, ultimately, they're all against him. We're accountable to him. Um, and he already knows them all. And those confession of those sins to God, all of those sins, are they for God or are they for us? When we confess all of our sins. Corey points to himself. So they're all for Corey. 
<laughs> They're all for us, right? It helps us be able to humble ourselves. It helps us to be able to realize our wickedness, our true natures that have to be rescued, that have to be wiped clean by Christ. Um, we need to confess our sins to the church. Um, is that in the Roman Catholic, in the stall with a guy behind the little shade kind of a way? Everyone's shaking their head no, right? Um, is that a bad thing to confess to somebody? No. No. It's not. Those things are. What's that? Priest is not a mediator. Christ is a priest. Right. So it's the difference. It's the context of who you're confessing those to. Not, not only is the priest assuming the role of mediator, he also is proclaiming, I absolve you. Absolution. Absolution. Yeah. Neither of those roles is his to take. Right. They're Stephanie said it's the why. Yeah. Yeah. The taking place of Christ. Right. I mean, they literally called altar priestess Right. So. Which is even hard to hear, even hard to say. It's like, mm. If anyone preaches another Christ, <laughs> let it be accursed. It's like Paul knew something. You be <laughs> uh, Yeah, so confessing your sins to the church and confessing your sin to other people is a good thing in the right context for the right reasons. We don't confess our sins because. We are absolving ourselves. We don't confess to each other so that you can absolve me or to a priest so that he can be my mediator because there is no mediator between God and man but Christ, right? Um, and we talked about confessing our, our sins when we're baptized, confessing uh, your offenses to the church if you're under discipline, which is never um, a fun thing for people to get into, um, and confess your sins to another Christian to whom you want to be accountable which Corey uh, pointed out to me, uh, we're going to be going over that later, so I didn't have to go into so much detail last time. But anyway, that's okay. Um, and then we started to touch on the wisdom of confessing our sins uh, because it yields forgiveness and reconciliation, um, and it enables us to prosper. Um, and that's kind of where we left off. And now when we talk about uh, us being in, enabled to prosper because we're confessing our sins. What what does that actually mean? When you confess your sins, you uh, we we gain a freedom that we didn't have before um, because it's now there's a lot of cliches and, and metaphor, but it's off your shoulders and you don't feel that burden. You're not weighted down by that, um, and so that's prosperous for us. Right. As the psalmist said, when I kept silent about my sin, my bones waxed old through my groaning all the day. Because day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my moisture was turned to the drought of summer. It's hard to prosper in any way when God is dealing with you that way. Okay. I think um, prospering, I think someone, like the, the tree is planted, by streams of flowing water, the yields is fruit in season. Um, it's impossible to prosper as in the fruit coming forth. Yeah. Right? And you're not the fruit of God if you are constantly rooting yourself away from the streams of living water. Mm. So you go into the sand, you're going to reap sand. You know, you're going to shrivel and die. Um, so 
That's what I mean by being my prosperous. It's prospering with confidence. Yep. Very well said, yeah. Uh, we actually talked about Psalm 32, 3 through 5, which Rex just quoted 3 and 4 verbatim for us, I think, for that. Um, but yeah, David, David uses the, that language of, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. It's the, it's the weight, like Mary Ellen said, it's the weight of our sin that keeps us down and doesn't allow us to obtain or move towards holiness and righteousness. Um, we can't do that when we're constantly sinning. We can't do that when we're weighed down by that stuff. Yeah, very good. Um, so now we're going to move forward to confession um, can overcome relational barriers. Has anybody seen this happen in, in your life specifically? Um, I have quite a few examples, but I'd like to hear from you guys. Well. Relational areas, as in like between friends, between friends, family, coworkers, anybody. I mean, I've had uh, one of my other brothers specifically. Um, he and I have been contentious uh, for our whole lives in one way or another, like all brothers are. Uh, see all biblical brothers, um, and uh, I remember one specific fight that we had, it was over a scooter, and we, were, we had this really fun time when we were kids where we would do all the tricks that we thought, you know, that we saw on the, uh, on the videos and stuff like that, because the internet wasn't super huge at that time. But so we, we were trying to do this scooter trick coming off of, the, uh, off of the sidewalk onto the little sewer thing and then onto the, uh, onto the road. It's just a jump. It's really just a jump. But it was huge to us because that's like a whole foot, you know, a whole foot down and then another like half of a foot onto the actual road. Um, and, and my other brother and I were trying to do it and trying to do it. And finally, he did it. And I was like, no, you didn't do it anyway. It was a, it was a whole thing. He ended up punching me in the face. Um, and I ended up hitting him in the lower areas. Um, but us being able to reconcile after that, I was able to come to him and say, hey, look, I lied. I know you did it right. I was angry, blah, blah, blah. And, and this is in like a middle school language, so it wasn't that coherent and, and, and whatnot. But the, the understanding was still the same of like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, and guess what? Next day, we went out and did it again. No punching that time, so... Um, but even between siblings, and a lot of the times between siblings, I mean, what do we teach our kids whenever one hits another? Say you're sorry. Don't just say you're sorry. Say why you're sorry and mean it, right? With Uriah and Jojo, we constantly, Uriah's like, I'm sorry, and then he walks away. No, why are you sorry? I'm sorry I hit you. No, are you, are you actually sorry? Yes, I'm sorry, Jojo, I hit you. And he, they don't get it yet, right? But it helps to keep that relationship going. They're going to keep it going anyway in one form or another, but it's a positive relationship at that point. I heard an interesting uh, way of describing what you're doing right there. Uh, the person says, do they understand it? No. Do they appreciate it? No. What you're doing is putting wood 
on the altar mm. so that when the fire of God falls, there will be something to burn. Mm. That would be our friend Tom Askell. That would be our friend Tom Askell. <laughs> I think I heard it from uh, all the people, but Tom Askell. Uh, he's the one I heard it from. Yeah, so confessing our sins against um, another should serve to restore the right relationship between us. Proverbs 15.1 tells us that a gentle answer turns away wrath. How much further does an apology go toward overcoming anger and resentment, especially when the person doesn't know that you sinned against them? Right, we kind of touched on this a little bit last week. If you've sinned against somebody, say at work, um, you've bad about them, you've lied about them, something like that, and then you come and you confess that to them, how much of a, you know, that's a humbling experience for us, right? But that helps us build trust with that person, and it helps build that relationship in a, in a much more positive manner than we could have had, you know, if we had just kept that sin to ourselves. And it does good for us, too, because hopefully we can get rid of that sin and not actually do those things anymore, and maybe even be held accountable by that person, because... Now they know that you've sinned against them in the past. Are they always going to answer and respond positively to you confessing your sin to them? No. Especially if it's not a brother or sister in Christ, more than likely going to be uh, more of a contention. But for us, as believers, we have to have that witness. We have to be able to show the hope that we have. And our hope doesn't rest on them liking us afterward, right? It rests on Christ and what he's done for us. So confessing sins uh, to an accountability partner can also result in reciprocal confession of deeper friendship as you together labor towards following Christ. Uh, confession can commend the gospel. We kind of talked about this in that same flow. If you're confessing your sin to somebody who is an unbeliever, um, like you've sinned against them specifically and you confess to them, they might just react and say, why are you doing this, man? This is not good for you. Like, I could take this and use it against you. I could go to HR, depending on what your offense was. Um, that opens up the ability, the avenue for us to share, again, that hope that we have. We can share the reason why we have to, why we have to, why we should be doing these things in the world. Um, you know, something? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, like, so the wisdom of you know, confessing sin specifically on these last two, you know, relational barriers and committing the gospel, it goes hand in hand with like the one that's closest to you is usually the one you're sitting against most. Mm. Your wife, your husband, whoever it is. And, and let me tell you, if, if you're letting bygones be bygones, if that's your way of relating to one another, you're holding sins over one another's heads. Mm. It's not like first Corinthians thirteen and love counts and all stuff. That's true. But what you're doing is you're actually heaping more weight upon that other person. And so when they do fall, you can say, look, you did that again. You always, you never. And those words should not come out of your mouth. Um, because it should be free confession. Um, give me an example. When I'm, when I'm not feeling well, like right now, uh, my, my first things coming out of my mouth are not filtered. So... Uh, the unfiltered Corey is usually comes out in a way that is not what I mean, but it's the only way that I can express the words. So that is offensive sometimes. Um, and so, and guess who catches most of that? Beth. 
And so I don't want anything between me and Beth at any level. I mean, I want her to be able to come to me whenever it is, whenever it's possible, whenever she actually has a problem, whenever she doesn't have a problem. I want her to feel free and not walk around out with an eggshell around me. Right? So relationally, Beth and I have to have an open forum of confession of sin both ways. Right? I have to be able to go to her and say, hey, man, I need your forgiveness. I said that harshly. I did not mean that. This is what I meant. I just didn't have the words to express it. It doesn't excuse the problem. The problem. Please forgive me. You know, like, um, and that has actually dealt deep into our relationship more than letting bygones be done. Oh, that's just cool. That, that should never be your attitude as a Christian. Oh, that's just Rex. Oh, oh, that's just Thomas. No, we need to be holding each other accountable to holiness. That's the wisdom of confessing sin. That's all point. Can I ask a question for one Yeah, yeah. So what do you do with like texts like Proverbs 19.11 where it says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is, and is, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Or another one that comes to mind is Ecclesiastes 7, um, 22, where it says, I think it is. Yeah, 22, where it says, Do not take apart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. So, yes, deal with conflict, but those texts seem to say that it's a good thing to overlook offenses. So, but I think yeah. those are, I think in this case, particularly, I'm talking about my personal understanding of my own sin towards yeah. someone instead of them sinning against me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So, if someone sins against me, it is from their, their good in a lot of ways to be overlooked that. Overlooked that. Overlooked against them. Yeah, but I'm overlooking and excusing are different things. Yeah, I'm not Perhaps. talking about excusing, letting bygones be gone. <coughs> bygones be bygones is like saying, we're just going to let that be in the past and move on without actually dealing with the thing. Especially when it's both known. Like, I did this, you know I did this. And it's hindering our relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, I think that last thing you just said, hindering our relationship is important because I think there are some offenses that are overlookable. Right? Oh, yeah. There are some things that something somebody does, right, that should not be taken offense offensively. I think it's right. whole point of Ecclesiastes seven twenty two, like you know you curse others, so when you hear somebody cursing you, don't be so offended. Yeah. Essentially. But there are other offenses where there are foundational things that have to be addressed, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. That's all I kinda of think about it, at least. I think it still comes to what Corey's saying with the context though. Like it is valuable for us to overlook offenses against us. But we should still feel the burden to confess our sins mm -hmm. if we do it, you know, when we do it against other people. Yeah. So, Especially knowingly. Yeah. Like, you know that you sinned against somebody. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, as the person who sinned, that is going to make you, um, even if Jared, like, there's me and Jared, which has happened in the past. Um, and I didn't go <laughs> to Jared and say, Jared, forgive me, which... Yeah, if I didn't do that, if I didn't ask him for that forgiveness, it's not hurting Jared. Especially if Jared doesn't know, right? It's not hurting Jared. It's not hindering Jared. But it is making my bones waste away. And so as long as I'm understanding sin in light of God's holiness, guess what? I need to go to Jared and settle that, right? Because that bitterness is swelling up in me, not in, not in him, right? And, uh, and so there's, I think it's, I think it's, it's not hard to pass rule. But it is something that is in my principle. If, if you are the sinner, which you all are, um, but in like particular instance, 
that you have to say that they go to your brother and sorry. get it ready. I'm sorry to have to laugh. There you go. Do you know why? I have no idea. I'm again. You sounded like sick. you sounded a bit like a TV commercial. I need to go to Jared. Oh, I need to go to Jared. <laughs> no, you're not getting anything. <laughs> if only I was that Jared. Um, yeah, but one thing that Corey said that's really I think is super important is you said, well, that's just Corey. And we don't want to be seen as, well, that's just Jared. That's just Forrest. That's the way that he is. He's bitter. He's quick-tempered. He's a little petty. He's angry. You know, because that's, right. But not Forrest, obviously. Forrest is a great guy. But that's, but the way that we respond to things, the way that we, you know, the way we interact with people, if we're always quick to just, always have a snide remark or build up that bitterness and we're always talking behind somebody's back and all that kind of stuff. Or if you get tired really easily and get very angry at the dumbest little things like I do. Um, I don't want to be known as an angry person, right? I don't want to be known as an angry dad. I, I don't want my kids to look at me and think, oh, what, what's he going to say next? If I do this, is he going to get angry at me? If I do that, that is not the image. That is not the dad that I want to be. That's not the person that I want to be. So I, we don't want to be seen as the result of the negative things that we do. We want to be seen as the result of what Christ has done in us, right? I think that's a super important thing. And, but we still need to be able to, at the same time, not see people that way as well. I think that's kind of what Forrest is speaking to me. Amy could come against me and be bitter towards me for something. I shouldn't look at Amy as a bitter person, right? I shouldn't look at Rex as an angry person. I should look at Rex as somebody who might need help with anger and ask God how I can be there for Rex and help him get past that, right? But we shouldn't be looking at people in those ways because we don't want to be looked at that way as well, right? But also, if we're looking at somebody and we think of them as just an angry person or as a bitter person or, or whatever, how are you going to share the gospel with somebody you think is just angry all the time? How are you going to share a gospel with somebody you think is petty? I don't want to talk to petty people. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to approach an angry person. That puts me off a little bit. That makes me think, ah, oh, man, if I say this, are they going to be angry? Are they going to blow up at me? You know, we have to look at them as who they are in the sight of God, which is in the image of God, and they have worth and they have value, and they need to, to know the Savior who's died for them. But, um, so confessing our sins um, to others can actually help us overcome that sin, right? Um, if we refuse to confess our sins to others, their ability to pray for us is limited. And I think this is something that Johnny has talked about in the past and, um, and Corey has talked about in the past. And I've never really heard it through my life um, this way. But when we are unwilling to share our burdens, whether it's a sin or whether it's a struggle, we're unwilling to share that with our fellow believers. That does not allow them to be the body of Christ for you, Right. If you're struggling with something, if you need help with something, if you're sinning in some way and you're not talking to somebody about it, whether it's your 
gospel community or if it's just one accountability partner or, or your elder, um, you're not allowing them to do what God has called them to do, which is to be there for you, to pray for you, to help you through those struggles and, and those times of need. Um, and that's really important, especially, I think, in today's age. We're all so independent. We're preached to to be independent, not from the pulpit, but from the world. You know, to be outside of uh, organized religion and, and these these social constructs that keep you down. You know, we're, we're told to be independent, rely on yourself, you know, be inward. Rugged, rugged individualism. We're supposed to be outward, though, as, as the body of Christ, seeking to help others, but also being willing to be helped. That's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard to ask for help for some things. Other things, it's pretty darn easy because I just don't know how to do it. But if I think I might know how to do it, it's hard to ask for help. If I think I can overcome this struggle or this anxiety or whatever, it's hard to ask for help. Ask my wife. She'll tell me. But in, in our church confident, we promise to exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other. That's where I heard it. Our church covenant. And when Corey's been, the other Corey, Dunbar, has been going over the church covenant with us um, at our membership meetings, uh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to hear what the body of Christ is truly supposed to be um, when we are a body together. Um, hiding our sins prevents other Christians from caring for us. And conversely, confession enables other Christians to intercede on our behalf. Which makes sense, right? It's obvious, but it's something that we just avoid. Yeah. Um, and that also warns us about our attitude when someone confesses to us. Mm. You know, one reason why we're so afraid of confession is <coughs> the reaction that we might get. <coughs> you are involved in that? Or whatever, and we need to be loving and f yet firm. <coughs> and, uh, I, I, there, I, there's somebody that uh, has asked me to be their their accountability partner, and who actually seeks out opportunities when he has failed to come to talk to me about it. And uh, <coughs> where was I going? That. Your attitude towards him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was, he, does, he did say, I need to tell you something. One time, he says, I don't think you're tough enough on me. Well, hot dang. <laughs> I was too ready to forgive. Mm. You know, there were times I needed to grab him and say, hey, yeah. get in the fight. You know? Mm. <laughs> but still, we need it. All needs to be in love, whether it's firmness or, or or forgiveness at the appropriate moment, responding in love to that person because they're in need. Yeah. It, it just as it comes to mind, all we like sheep have come straying. Yeah. We have turned everyone from his turn to his own toward his own way, and he has laid iniquity of us all on him. You know, like this idea of like um, Jesus looking at the people and having compassion because they're sheep without a shepherd. 
and sin, when someone's confessing sin, that's, that should be on the compassion, uh, not condemnation. Uh, I know that's what we're talking about. Just continue. No, it's fine. It, it ties in either way. All right, so what are some signs of true confession? Sobbing. Uncontrollable sobbing. Uncontrollable <laughs> sobbing. <laughs> Depending on the well, sin. I, sometimes it, well, not sometimes. There should be a change in the behavior. Right. Okay. There should be something that is seen mm-hmm. afterward. Right. Uh, it's like teaching the kids, stop saying you're sorry because you're doing the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it anymore. Where's the behavior change that will, that's true forgiveness, or that's true repentance that you know better and now you've changed it. But just to say the words, a manifest desire to be different, even if you haven't achieved it yet, rather than just a perfunctory, I'll try harder not to do that. Uh, just a real desire may not change me, may not help me. I was going to say, I think that uh, the lack of defensiveness is a sign, um, and also the willingness to accept whatever consequences may come as a the Bible says the Lord is the righteous judge, and he, is, um, he, has, you know, he has every right to do whatever it is that he sees fit to his people and um, for his glory and their good. And so when we are truly repentant and are truly confessing, and we can truly say whatever that will be done, whether it's, um, the con- depending on what it is, the consequence is going to be. Yeah. Real bad. <laughs> I have an actual one. Uh, I don't think I'm, I don't think sobbing is. Oh, good. No, it was from what he said earlier. Calm down. I don't think uncontrollable sobbing is actual sobbing. Just so it's clear. But um, this the idea of like um, instead of being a change from being scared of God in the sense of fear, like fearing God because of the consequences of like what He's going to do to a fear of God and like displeasure, like. That transition, not being scared of what it's going to happen to me, but just like I want to please my father. I think that's a yeah. Sign. Yeah, I think the. I mean, you think about Adam in the garden. True confession. It's like acknowledging your nakedness before God. You know, it's um, your your sin is something that lays you bare in front of the Creator of the universe, and that has to be becoming a repentance faith. And in some cases. Uh, Oh gosh, the word is um, that thing where you have to do things to make up for it. Restitution. Restitution. Thank you. Restitution. And the fifth, like we've already talked about it. But um, restitution should be on our aim as the person who did the sin. Like, I want to make this fight. Not, uh, not, not uh, I'll try better next time. That's short. That falls short of but true confession. True repentance is like, hmm. uh, it, like exactly what you're saying. Saying I'm sorry doesn't mean anything. You keep doing the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, all of those are very true, real signs. I mean, to sum all of that up, true confession should be accompanied with repentance, right? No longer just saying you're sorry to say you're sorry, but actually doing something different, having the desire to do something different as well. It should be specific. Amen. Why, what you are confused, confessing and why you're confessing it. The motives should be included in that confession. That's the why. Why did I hit my brother? 
Well, it's because I was angry at him. Why are you angry at him? Because he took my toy. Okay? Is that a good reason to be angry at your brother and sock him in the face? No. We should be specific. It should be followed by repentance. It should include the motives. And we should, it should be accompanied by godly sorrow. Right? That's kind of that weightiness that we were talking about. We should have... We should have the reaction of, I have sinned against a holy God, like David shows us in the Psalms. Because again, ultimately, you're not just sinning against Joe Schmo in front of you, but you're sinning against God. So we should have that sorrow, that, that depth of, of understanding. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrows bring death. So there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. One brings repentance, one brings death. Peter and Judas. It's hmm? a good contrast. True confession is also is made in light of the cross, right? When there's true confession, we're not confessing because we shouldn't be confessing just because we did something wrong. We shouldn't be confessing to get away from um, worse consequences. We should be confessing because of what has been done for us, because of Christ. The true confession is followed by intercessory prayer as well. Um, you know, a prayer of supplication asking for forgiveness and help to not repeat the sin is the proper follow-up to a prayer of confession, as Rex was saying. We should want to not do this thing anymore. That's true confession. That's true repentance as well. <clears throat> and true confession results in an experience of forgiveness. Not just from the person, but from God. When we truly confess our sins and we, are, or we have that godly sorrow, we're specific about it. We talk about our motives and we do it in light of the cross. We should feel, maybe not like a a weight necessarily always being lifted off, off of you, but you should feel that, that forgiveness coming towards you because God's going to bring it. You're truly confessing to him and a, a sin that you've done against him. He is quick to forgive, thankfully, unlike us. All right, so when is confession required? This is just a one-time thing. Daily. Hourly. <laughs> Sometimes hourly, depending on the day. After each and every sin. After every sin. It should be ongoing, right? It's not just a one and done thing. Unlike some people who call themselves Christians and believe that you've confessed one time, you say the Lord's Prayer, you get dumped, you're good. You don't have to say it ever again. You don't have to confess ever again. No need. Why? Because Christ has already washed my sins away, right? Yeah. So I don't have to worry about that stuff. Right? It's a total misunderstanding of, the, total misunderstanding yeah. of 1 John uh, and all, all of John and Romans. And <coughs> the New Testament. The New Testament. <laughs> well, we'll sum it up, the Bible. Yeah. So confession should be ongoing. The initial confession of sin, obviously, and the repentance of it is necessary uh, for any Christian's conversion. But Paul attests in Romans 7, Christians continue to struggle with sin and often fail. Romans 7, 18 through 19 says, 
For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do, do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. That's a hard passage. And a lot of people, unfortunately, in certain circles, who again call themselves Christians, like to say, well, this is Paul talking as an unbeliever. He was not an unbeliever in this passage. Just going to knock that out really quickly. He's talking about himself and his experience. He has these fleshly desires, these evil desires that are in him that he's warring against. Speaking first tense. Yeah. None of it's past tense. None of it's about what I've done in the past. It's what I am doing. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So if Paul, Paul, kept sinning and struggled with it, fought against it, warred against his flesh, I mean, I'm no Paul. I I was not blinded on the road uh, to Damascus. I have not spoken directly face-to-face with Jesus. Uh, If Paul struggled with sin, if the disciples who walked next to Jesus while he was on earth struggled with sin, we're going to struggle with sin, guys. Sorry, you're, you're not better than Paul. So as sin continues, sorry, harsh words. Uh, so as sin continues through this life, so too confession is to be routine practice for every child of God. The Christian life is characterized by continual re- confession, repentance, and faith in Christ. Some of us have hard, have hard time, have had a hard time recognizing that we have sinned. We tend to shift our, uh, the blame of our sinful behavior to others. Shocker. But the Apostle John makes it clear that if we think that we are without sin, we are very mistaken. 1 John 1.8 says, if we, have no, if we say we have no sin, we deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. I mean, it's pretty black and white. People just want to ignore it. Um, So confession should be immediate, as Steph was saying. We should confess as soon as we are conscious of our sin. Don't postpone the confession and repentance. In Acts 24, 16, Paul told Felix, I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards God, both God and man, and we should do the same thing. Now, what if you're not conscious of the sin? Made aware, mm. then your automatic response should not be defensiveness, right? But a willingness to reconcile, to ask forgiveness. And I think we see in the Psalms um, David confessing and asking forgiveness for sins that he might not even know about. Yes. I think that's perfectly a wise thing to do. It says, "Test me," right? Right? He says, "Try me," like right. show me that I'm. I think as you get to know the Bible better, you got you're looking into that mirror that James talks about and you start realizing there's smudges on your face and hopefully you'll take time to wash the face and wash away after forgiveness of sins. I think that confession of sin even could go beyond confessing what what we know or what we may have done 
that we don't know about, but to get to the root, I am I need to confess, God, I am still a fleshly being that falls short of your glory, whether I know anything about it or not. I confess that to you, and I ask you to cleanse me from that and, and help you put that flesh away. And you know what that prayer does? It brings to light those sins that you don't know about. If you ask God to forgive you for sins that you're unaware of and to reveal those to you, he's going to reveal them to you. And then you can move toward not doing them again, right? Having true repentance, walking away from those things and doing better next time. And wanting that, having that godly sorrow as well. When God reveals a sin to you, not just a brother or sister in Christ or your wife or your husband, you should listen and it should cause that godly sorrow. But I, I, maybe it's just a nuance, a difference, distinction without a difference. I, I don't know. But uh, what I was trying to get at was the fact that it goes beyond what we do yeah. to what we are. Yeah. Okay. Mine was just an addition. Okay. To what All right. So let's just talk really quickly about accountability partners. When choosing an accountability partner, which I highly recommend if you don't have one. Um, it pays to be careful and wise when choosing an accountability partner. We should look for someone who is clearly growing in godliness and correctly handles the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Um, is of the same sex, unless it's your spouse. Is compassionate and has biblical views of sin. The person will neither be shocked by your sin nor smother you in mercy uh, when you need a rebuke. Listens carefully and withholds counsel uh, until he or she fully understands the situation, which is super important because I think a lot of us like to answer before everything's been given to us and have an idea of what I think the person's telling me. And that's sometimes very dangerous and it's disrespectful because you're not fully listening. That's preaching to myself there. Uh, and will respect your confidence and treat it with great discretion. And I just want to add, and brings the word of God to bear upon you and upon your, your sins. You can have somebody who um, is a brother or sister in Christ, who has the best intentions, um, who really seeks to want to be there for you. But if all they're being is a sounding board, that's not, a, that's not accountability. We have to be able to say the hard things, like Rex was saying. We have to be able to say those hard things, bring the word to God in front of our brother or sister, and help them. Because the word of God is the only thing that's going to truly be able to help them get past whatever it is they're going through. Right? Um, so not only seek, but, uh, but seek to be such a person as we've talked about. For accountability usually works best when it's reciprocal. So it should be a two-way street. It shouldn't just be you have one person who's always coming to you, coming to you. Guess what? You're a sinner too. You need to come to them. You need to have that confidence between each other as well uh, to be able to speak into each other's lives. And moving toward godliness, it will help uh, each of us uh, when, we, when we confess our sins as we're moving towards godliness. Each of us has some decisions to make. Will you fully commit 
to confessing your sins to God? Will you confess your sins against others? Will you turn from your sinful pride and commit finding an accountability partner uh, to help you defeat any stubborn sins? Will you remember the truth of Hebrews 12, 11? For the moment, all for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields peaceful fruit of yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Will you place your hope in the one who died for you on the cross so that you can be forgiven? And will you trust God's promise that if we confess our sins, he will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness? We should walk away today thinking about those things so that we can move closer to God and become holy as he is holy. All right, let's pray. Holy God, again, we thank you that you, we have your word, Lord, where we can objectively go to it and see where our sins may lie. We can see where we've fallen short, Lord. We can use the law as a mirror. We can use the rest of your word as the mirror. And we can look to Christ for our salvation, for our peace, for our comfort. God, thank you that we have the ability to have forgiveness of sins because of what Christ has done. Thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us as your people, as individuals, to be able to speak with you, to be able to know your word and understand it. Help us, Lord, to see the sins that we need to confess today. Help us, Lord, to commit to moving towards holiness and righteousness. Help those, Lord, who may not have somebody to be accountable to or to have accountability with, Lord, to move those people into their lives. Help us, Lord, to be confident in your word and with each other. And thank you again for all the blessings that you give us. And Lord, prepare our hearts for this sermon that we're about to receive so that we may listen and understand. In your son's holy and precious name, we pray all these things. Amen. I think we have.